0: Hello and welcome to The Moving Curve. I am Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Twice a week on this mini-cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I am considering this one. What went wrong in Kerala? It's day 179 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India and we are reporting 14,36,006 cases with 32,812 deaths. One of the most enjoyable conversations that I've had so far on this podcast was with Nidish MK, a journalist for MINT who reports from Kerala. Nidish made for a great interview because he's first a great storyteller, but also because he knows the state intimately and is very passionate about it. Since the second week of May, and now particularly in July, we have seen an explosion of COVID-19 cases in Kerala, a state that had essentially flattened the curve and brought active cases down to zero for several days in the beginning of May. By May 8, there were just 16 active cases in the state. And then the borders reopened. Kerala is a deeply connected state, with a high degree of international immigration. As cases soared in other countries and jobs began to dry up in the Gulf, non-resident Kerala residents wanted to return to their home state. At 10.08pm on May 7th, the first repatriation flight returned to India, fittingly from Abu Dhabi to Kerala. Since then, over half a million Malayalis have returned to the state by road, rail, air and sea. By the middle of July, Kerala had one of India's fastest growing outbreaks, with cases doubling in fewer than 11 days as compared to 22 days in Tamil Nadu and 23 days in Maharashtra. Since Kerala is held up as a model state by left-leaning people, and with good reason, I have noticed a disturbing tendency of the right-wing to celebrate any failure or tragedy in the state. It's not something I am going to waste much time on, but what I do want to think about is how, as a reaction to this, people with broadly liberal values are sometimes completely blinkered to any of Kerala's flaws. I have noticed this in the reporting of Kerala's second wave, depending on whom you speak to, all the praise for Kerala was either completely unearned or Kerala's current wave is not its fault at all. The truth is surely in the middle. So what I'm trying to understand is this, that what, what in your assessment is a fair sort of way of saying what what did go wrong in the last few weeks?
1: Uh, fair sort of, as of now the current status hmm. is that our current status has uh, not completely reversed, but it's gone through a lot of change. I would say it's changed from uh, slaying coronavirus as Guardian you know, called our health minister. Yeah. It's gone from slaying to praying almost. The point where we started seeing a change is after May 4th. I would say uh, from January to March 23, 24, 23-25 uh, when the lockdown started mm-hmm. it was the first phase you only had the Wuhan returnees and couple of guys who returned from Italy and other places right. from 25th right. onwards you had national lockdown state lockdown and from there until May 4th the infection was really low right. and uh, in, in, in the first week of May we had several days the last uh, end of End of April and first week of May, we had several days where the daily cases were just zero.
0: Right.
1: So these are all facts.
0: Right. From
1: May 4th onwards, when the Mande mission started and unlocks phase started, we were seeing it, you know, an increase in cases. But mm. even at that point, I would say it was really manageable. Mm. Uh, because the Pandebharat flights and all these started flights, it was easier to trace these people and segregate them. Mm. In the sense they are only coming through at one exit window, an airport exit window. Right. Uh, there were also problems with relation to people who are coming from other states testing positive here. Mm. But that was really low. The main bulk of the cases at that point was people who were coming from uh foreign countries. Right. And after that, it's actually in July that this community spread started. We started getting clusters of infection and mm. That was when you know things got really worried. Right. But uh, there was this is official in the state, uh, official that's engaged by the state government who gave me this beautiful quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one of my, I used it in one of my stories. He said, mm-hmm. "You can't remain an island of health in an ocean of disease forever. Mm-hmm. Right. There will be some kind of a logic to this epidemic that." people will need to realize it will kick in at some point or the other. When the relaxation started, when the uh, movements were no more restricted, mm. people started traveling. Right. And uh, you know we have historically linked places uh, along the borders. For right. example, Kanyagumari, if there is a spike in Kanyagumari, we should almost always expect a spike in uh, Podra or some other coastal region in Tirunelveli because right. these two places are linked through coastal hamlets. Right. If there is a spike in Taini in Tamil Nadu, mm. there should be a spike in Iduki, right. if there is no knockdown in place. Right. So that's really what happened during the uh, unlock phases.
0: One thing that I've seen in other states with good contact tracing, quarantining and data management systems like Karnataka, is that when the numbers surge, the systems start to buckle. Karnataka is still sort of holding on and just today the Bangalore Municipal Corporation has put out an ad to hire more testing staff. So they are trying to keep up. I asked Nidhi how Kerala systems were holding up. The contact tracing um, and quarantine mechanism, even with the numbers so high, is it coping even now?
1: No. Uh, I mean, for, for people who they can contact and trace, they are <laughs> doing it even <laughs> now. But people who are... Uh, but if there is a cluster, mm. from what I understand, they have abandoned contact tracing. If it's a if it's a cluster where they suspect community spread, mm. or if they confirms community spread in a cluster, mm. uh, they are going for complete lockdown of that cluster and reverse quarantining of senior citizens and uh, and senior citizen and children. So that's what's happening right now.
0: So what's happening right now is that on July 17, Kerala's chief minister, Pinarai Vijayan, announced in a press conference that parts of the state were experiencing community transmission. This admission and the response to it, for me, truly encapsulates how Kerala is seen. Since literally the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak in India, reporters have been clamouring for governments to declare community transmission. I always found this a bit pointless and excessive. It's as if the reporters were equating admission of community transmission with an admission of failure and trying to force a confession out of governments without really knowing why they kept pursuing this line. So the is there community transmission? No, not yet. Dance would go on at every press conference and it's become something of a meme among journalists. Now here's a chief minister saying, yes, in at least two coastal hamlets in Thiruvananthapuram, we don't know how people contracted the virus, but many have it. So yes, it's community transmission. The only other chief minister to have boldly gone here before was Goa's chief minister, Pramod Savan, who in late June said that Goa was experiencing community transmission and then said just a few days later, and I quote, I might have said in the past that it's a community transmission in Goa, but I inquired and was told it was not so. The virus is not in the air. So let's acknowledge the magnitude of what Pinarayi Vijayan did. What does declaring community transmission mean? Nitish wrote a superb piece about it for Mint and I've linked to it, but I asked him here how redeploying staff from contact tracing, which is something all high-burden states are desperate to do, works in practice what can contact tracing staff be used for now so
1: it could be you know a lot of things for example it's also related to livelihood options I so uh, why we failed in a in a certain way after mm. uh, july when you know relaxations were lesser and people were given greater freedom to move around and then there was a spike in cases and then we asked them to stay back in their houses mm. At that point, people rebelled against it because mm-hmm. people, you know, this usually happens in every other state. People rebel when they don't have a livelihood option. People rebel when there is no health literacy, right. when they don't know the clear facts. For example, in Pundra, what happened is in the initial stages of the, the lockdown was announced almost overnight. Mm-hmm. And that cut people off, that paused people's livelihood options. Right. And uh, they rebelled against it. Plus, right. uh, there was not enough health literacy being hmm. provided there were all sorts of gossips that were floating around hmm. like some people agitated about being sent to hospitals when they don't have symptoms hmm. they didn't know that you know 70% of the people right now who are active patients are not without symptoms right. so these were the problems so health stuff from what I understand the redeployment uh, is to address all sort of issues not I just see. the health issue hmm. uh From what I understand right now, if there is a cluster and if they are putting that cluster in a lockdown, Mm. they are putting even the health workers in a lockdown. So the health workers who enter that cluster Mm. will not be allowed to return to their home. So they'll be within that cluster. So they'll have to be provided food, shelter, everything.
0: In the next episode, Nidish and I talk about why August is going to be Kerala's most challenging month yet how it will test all of its systems and whether the praise Kerala got in me was deserved. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurti. On the next episode, a new question.